mother barely twenty out there on her own a teenage boy in prison before he's even grown the illness of a loved one widow no one calls but there is one solution an answer for it all there is power in the name of jesus there is hope there is strength and victory to claim there is healing in his holy presence there is power in his name a nation needing mercy Fighting for her life, a church that needs revival, a broken man and wife. But in the name of Jesus, chains of bondage fall. Prayers are heard and answered when God's children call. There is power in the name. Jesus, there is hope, there is strength, and victory to claim. There is healing in His holy presence. There is power in His name. There is power. In the name of Jesus, there is hope, there is strength, and victory to claim. There is healing in His holy presence. There is power in His name. There is power. Amen. Take your Bible, turn over to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14. We're going to begin in verse 1 and read through verse 9. Chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. After two days, it was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, 
Why was this waste of the ointment made? It might have been sold for more than 300 pence. It had been given to the poor. They murmured against her. Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd bless our time together now, and we pray that, Lord, you would be moved and motivated. Father, by it, we want you to be encouraged. Lord, we're just a people, and our goal, our desire is to please you, and I want you, Father, to be excited about what's going on here today, and Lord, I also want us to, Father, be excited about what's taking place, and I pray that, Lord, you would show up in a mighty way, that you would show up in a very tangible way, that you walk these aisles and bring conviction and, Father, ultimately change to our lives. Again, Lord, we know that without you we can do nothing. Pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. May I be your mouthpiece. May you stand in my shoes. And, Father, may you just bless every listening ear. And, Father, may we hear with spiritual ears that, Father, we may leave different than having than how we came. And I pray, Lord, that you would once again do a mighty work in our lives. We love you. We need you. And we just pray, Lord, for our offering. We pray, Lord, for that. We pray for our missionaries around the world and for the need of the gospel to reach every corner. Help us, Lord, to do our part. And Lord, again, today, Father, may you just work and move. Do what only you can. In Christ's name, amen. In this particular passage, of course, we cannot help but be reminded again of a woman who Probably you've heard before, if you've been in church any time at all, how she anointed the Lord Jesus Christ. My oh my, he had yet to die, and yet the the woman had a heart for Jesus, and she wanted to so much do something for him that would express her love and her just wonderful gratitude for him and all that he's meant to her. Now, the passage ultimately, uh, many times, is kind of connected with another passage, and many people have thought that this would be the same Mary, Mary uh, there uh, in Bethany, of course, that's where they're at, and they're in Simon the leper's house. We don't really know who he is, but many times we think, well, this was Mary, you know, Mary and Martha, uh, Lazarus's sister, but there's good reason to believe that possibly there were two occasions where Jesus was anointed. And this one would have been a different one. This would not have been her, but probably somebody that had possibly seen or heard of her anointing Jesus herself there in their home and chose to do so now herself. Uh, We recognize just this act, and of course we know that there were those that were not very pleased with it. We know that there were those who said, why in the world would she waste all of this? Now you have to understand that the amount that we're talking about is very substantial here. Uh, this uh, 300 pence goes a long ways. Many would say that it's a possibility that it was equal to or close to a year's wage. And so this was not something that was to be just squandered or wasted. And so many would say, well, you know, even the disciples, we've, we found that possibly questioned this. Uh, we know Judas in the situation with Mary uh, uh, 
uh, should I say, with Mary, Lazarus's brother, he, he was all over that. And we know why, because he had the bag and he had all the money and he was really greedy and he was a thief. But even here in this particular passage, we see that there's the same sentiment that's being expressed. This could have been used for the poor. And Jesus says, you have the poor with you always. Long after I'm gone, you can do something for them. But you can't do something for me because I won't be here very long. And so he finally silences the crowd and he ultimately speaks up and he says, listen, why trouble ye her? She's wrought a good work on me. And he makes a statement down the road in verse 8 that stands out in my mind and I'm sure will stand out in yours. He says, she hath done what she could. She had done what she could. I want to challenge you today to do what you can in the area of missions. On May the 30th, 1792, William Carey preached his famous sermon from Isaiah chapter 54, verses 2 and 3. That passage reads, Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and stretch and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Mr. Carey, he summed up his message with these, with these two important statements. He said, expect great things from God. Number two, attempt great things for God. And this led to the formation of what was ultimately called Baptist Missionary Society. And Carey, at the age of 33, proved his sincerity by ultimately volunteering and being the first messenger to the heathen. Andrew Fuller was a Baptist preacher at the time. And he made the statement, he said, there is a gold mine in India, but it seems as deep as the center of the earth. Who will venture to explore it? William Carey spoke up and said, I will go down. And then he made a statement, but remember that you must hold the rope. I'll go down. But remember that you must hold the rope. On June 13, 1793, William Carey left for India with his wife and their four children. And there, 40 years, he spent on the mission field. William Carey did what he could. So did Andrew Fuller, though. History tells us that Andrew Fuller held the rope until he died. As a matter of fact, 87 years after Carey had left for the field, it was said that there were more, no less than 350,000 native Christians in India. God did a miraculous work there in that country, and it cannot be forgotten. But it also cannot be forgotten that he used people to get the job done. He used William Carey and his family to leave the comforts of their home and to venture out into a new land. But he also used Andrew Fuller and so many others to hold the rope. I want to preach a message I've entitled, Hold the Rope. Well, I'd love to see someone surrender to the mission field today. To be a missionary, 
or maybe a missionary helper, but at the very least, I pray and ask God that everyone in the room would at least say, I want to hold the rope. See, holding a rope requires no special ability, no special calling or training. Anybody can do it. That's the wonderful thing about God's work is that there's always a place for everybody in the work. And it's an important job, by the way. Because, see, those that are going can't go unless someone else is holding the rope. Throughout the Bible, we can find folks that were holding the rope and made a big difference. I can't help but think of Rahab and the spies. In Joshua chapter 2, verses 1, turn there, would you? Joshua chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. We find in Scripture those that were holding the rope, those that held the rope, and it made a big difference. Rahab and the spies that were sent out to spy out the land prior to the Israelites making their way into the promised land. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, now they're on the precipice of entering into that land. These spies find their way to Jericho. Notice in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out, to, uh, out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. We know how the story goes. We know that ultimately she would hide those particular men, that she would ultimately keep them safe in spite of the king. And, and, and eventually she would send them forth. The Bible says in chapter 2, verse 12, Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that ye also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father, my mother, my brother, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Verse 14, And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given you us, given us this land, given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. We know that she said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to care for you, and I'm going to ensure that you get away safely, but I'm asking you to do this. If I'll do that for you, will you then protect me and my family when you return? They said, you know what, we'll do that. If you'll just keep your end of the bargain, we'll keep our end of the bargain. And there, we found that day that she took a scarlet thread or a rope, and she tossed it out over the side, and she held on to the other one end while they climbed down to their safety. And they ultimately fled and went away. She held the rope for them. And ultimately they would return. Ultimately they would come back. And when they did, they took the city, we know, as the walls went out, out and the men came in and destroyed the city and ultimately took the spoils of the land. We know that it went on into the temple coffers and there they were able to use the gold and the silver and, and, and so forth for the temple. But man, I'll tell you what, she held the rope and it made a difference. It enabled the children of Israel to ultimately go into the promised land and fulfill the, the, the purpose and plan for God. Rahab and the spies. Rahab and the spies. I can't help but think of Michael in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 11 through 12. I'm not talking about Michael, a man. I'm talking about Michael, David's wife, Saul's daughter. 
course, David is married to Michael, and Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. Can you imagine your father-in-law trying to kill you? Well, wipe that out. Some of you do believe that. Okay, so let's just say in this case, that's what was going on. <laughs> and so here he is now, and, and David's life is at, at hand, and, and Michael finds out about it. She knows that he's being watched. She knows that his life is in danger. And boy, I'll tell you what, she ultimately says to him, and, and, and David's wife told him, saying, If thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. What are we going to do? If you don't get out of here tonight, tomorrow morning, you're a dead man, David. And look what she did. Well, I'll read it to you. Verse 12 says, So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. Sounds to me like she held a rope. He held, she, held, he, she held a rope. She held on to that rope and he went on the other end of it and went on down and there his life was spared. Boy, what a big difference it made. How important was it that she held that rope that night? If she wouldn't have held that rope, David, the, the psalmist of Israel, would not be with us. Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Scripture, there's those that held the rope. And as a result, great things were accomplished. Look at this passage over here in the book of Mark, chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1. Again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. It's Jesus. Straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press. I mean, it was so crowded that day, and so many people were there to see the Savior, that they could not even carry the body of this man, this man that was on this, 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 this carried by four, born by four, it says. Here they are, carrying him on a gurney, if you will, trying to get him into the presence of Christ so that he could be spared, so that he could be healed. They couldn't get him there. Too many people. Man, they were so desperate that ultimately they climb above and they get on the rooftops, and the Bible goes on to say then in the passage that when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. They started taking the roof apart piece by piece until finally there was a hole big enough to lower this man into the presence of Jesus Christ. <laughs> that would have been a scene. I'm glad I wasn't a homeowner. I can only imagine, you know, I'm, uh, you know, Jesus is in my house and we're having a little get-together and all the people are packed in and all of a sudden I hear, and there's a saw coming through the top. I'm like, what's going on? Cutting a hole in my roof? Man, I wouldn't have been real happy. And then to lower somebody down in it? It's crazy, isn't it, to think about? But that's exactly what they did. And the Bible says, and they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy was. That means that there were four men then holding on to the what? The rope. 
four men holding on to ropes. At each corner of that gurney, there they were holding on as that man was lowered down into the presence of Jesus Christ. They held on to the rope. And because they were holding on to the rope, somebody got in the presence of Jesus. Somebody's life was transformed and changed. Somebody was different from that day forward because somebody held the rope. Couldn't do it by themselves. Couldn't do it one person at a time. No, that wasn't going to happen. Took four of them. We could go back and we could talk even about old, old Jeremiah who was lowered into that pit. Remember, because he was a faithful servant of God, because he was a prophet that would not back down, because he gave the truth to the king, he finds himself in a pit, a miry pit. And yet what we find ultimately is the king wised up to the fact of some things and he sent 30 men to hold the rope and pull him out of the miry pit. Man, I'll tell you what, sometimes it takes more than just one. It takes a group. Sometimes it takes four. Sometimes it takes 30. Sometimes it takes a whole church getting together to hold the rope so that a life can be spared and saved for eternity. Finally, look at Acts chapter 9, verse 23. We live in a very selfish culture. You and I know it. I don't even have to say it. But I bring it up because, let's be honest, whether we like to admit it or not, it has had a, a, an impact on our lives. We can't help but be, be, be somewhat affected by all of it. And let's face it, I mean, I'm more prone, uh, uh, obviously, like you are, to take care of me and mine. And Man, if I have, I'm doing without something, I'll make sure I get it before I'd ever give it to someone else. I mean, it seems to be that, it's like the Bible says, is that we love ourselves. And I know we live in a world where everybody, eh, nobody loves themselves. We better build up their self-esteem. Better tell them how great they are. Better tell them how good they are. And I know a lot of times we need to learn who and what we really are inside of, in the eyes of, the, of Jesus, who is perfect and holy. And as we recognize that, we'll be more grateful to him and we'll get on board with his purpose and his plan for our life, the word of God, and we'll find that things work out to our best. But, but, but hold on, we're selfish by nature. But man, you, to hold a rope, you got to take your place. It doesn't take any special talent or ability to hold the rope. But let me tell you something, it does take a little time. It takes effort. you got to be in your place. I'm going to hold the rope. And look what happens in Acts chapter 9. The Apostle Paul, of course, has come to Jesus Christ now. He was Saul, and now he's called Paul and we're going to see that they weren't real pleased with that, the Judaizers. In, in Acts chapter 9, verse 23 through 25, and after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. Why would the Jews want to kill him? He's one of their own. Because he, he, he changed his place, his position on Jesus Christ. While he, while he did not believe earlier about Christ and he was ready to kill Christians in order to perpetuate the Jewish faith and, and, and their beliefs, now all of a sudden he recognizes and realizes that the Jewish people missed their Messiah. And now here he is saying, you know what, I'm a, I'm, I'm a child of the king now. I'm going to proclaim the truth. I'm going to witness about Jesus. I'm going to tell him that he died, was buried, and rose again, that he's the only hope. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, they didn't like that. So they took counsel to kill him. 
Verse 24, Acts 9, 24. But their laying await was known of Saul. Saul wasn't stupid. He knew what was going on. He had perceived that there was a problem and he recognized that, hey, they're laying in wait for me. They're going to try to kill me. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Can you imagine living your life running? In a, in a, not so much running as Paul didn't, but knowing that at any moment somebody could come out to try to, literally to kill you. Can you imagine that? And Paul's living his life. Paul's ministering the gospel it, 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 literally as his life is in stake here. And in verse 25, it got so bad that then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. He knows, I can't, I can't come through the gate, I can't go out the gate, I can't get in or out of the city, I'm stuck here, I can't go anywhere, and they're after me, and sooner or later they're going to close in, they're going to take my life. And the disciples said, hey, hold on, we found a rope, buddy, and we're willing to hold it if you'll go down. Paul's life was spared because somebody held the rope. And can I tell you, the fact today that we gather here, even this morning, is a direct result of the life of Paul and the ministry of Paul the Apostle. Outside of Jesus Christ, the greatest of all missionaries. We have faith today because of the Apostle Paul and how God used the Apostle Paul. We have 13 books of the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote. He might have wrote even more. We don't, you know, all we know is what we have here, and we know that he was a writer of the New Testament, that God gave him as a gift to the church, and that ultimately you want to learn about church doctrine, you want to know how to function and operate the local church in this dispensation and this time prior to the coming of Jesus. You get in there and you read the, you read the Pauline epistles. All because somebody held a rope. Somebody held a rope. Good things happened. Now listen, these men, these ladies were not great. They weren't mighty. They weren't rich. But they were just faithful. They were faithful to hold the ropes. They did what they could. And you know, God is still looking for people today. He's looking for someone to hold the rope. That's what he's looking for. Jesus said of Mary, she hath done what she could. Get off her back. Leave her alone. She, she's done what she could. And you know what? In this room, I'm sure there are people with different abilities and, and opportunities and, 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 and so forth. Can I tell you that each of us can only do what we can with God's help? I don't know what you can do necessarily. You don't know what I can do. But God does, and you do. What can you do? Or better yet, what will you do for missions this coming year? Hey, listen, there are gold mines all over the world and scores of missionaries like William Carey who desire to explore those mines. But they need someone to hold the financial rope. They need someone to hold the rope of prayer. Through the quiet streets of a fishing village that lay on the edge of a rushing river, there came a cry. Boy overboard! Boy overboard! 
Quickly a crowd gathered and they anxiously looked over the rushing waters to see a figure of the drowning boy just bobbing up and down into that water and every anxious mother's heart cried, It's my boy! It's my boy! The rope was brought. The strongest swimmer in the village volunteered to rescue the drowning boy. And he went ahead and he took that rope and he wrapped it around his waist and he tied it off. And he began to make his way out to that boy who was drowning. Man, I mean to tell you, the people were amazed. They couldn't believe the, 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 just the, the courage of this young man who made his way into that water. And there he swam and he, he cut through those waves and he did his very best. And they watched him, man, just get through that tide. Strong, sturdy strokes. What an amazing swimmer. And boy, cheers went up as he reached the boy and as he grabbed him safely into his arms. Pull in the rope! Pull in the rope! Pull in the rope! The villagers looked one from another. Who's holding the rope? But no one was holding the rope. In the excitement of watching this rescue, the other end of the rope had slipped into the water and it had disappeared. They helplessly watched as not just one precious life, but two went on to their demise because no one was holding the rope. No one was holding the other end. Oh, there's a pit out there where souls are dying and perishing. They're in the deepest, darkest places of their life. They're never going to make it out unless somebody's willing to hold the rope as someone else is lowered in. William Carey said, I'll go to that place. I'll go to the lowest place in the earth. I'll go wherever the souls need me most. I don't care if it's India. I don't care where it's at in the world. I'll go, but somebody, somebody, somebody has to hold the rope. This morning, I just want to know, will you hold the rope? It may take more than just you. Probably take your neighbor too. Take a fellow church member, another brother or sister in Christ, a church even, to all get behind those that are being lowered so that we can hold the rope and ensure that they're cared for, that their needs are met, that they're not going to slip off and perish, so to speak. And souls can still be saved and lives can be transformed and changed. But we've got to hold the rope. Got to hold the rope. Will you hold the rope? Boy, I praise God for everyone who's already holding the rope. Many have already been involved in the missions program and many are giving. But what will God have you do this year? But maybe you haven't taken hold of the rope yet. Hey, there's no better time than now. Get a hold of the rope. Participate. Get involved. Join in. Each of us needs to do what we can with God's help. And as we pray and we beg God to give us insight and wisdom as to what to give and what to do, He'll do that. As we have opportunity to write those notes and those letters through the year, the course of this year, let's be in our place. Let's let God use us. Let's hold the rope. Our missionaries need us. In Mark 14, 8, we read, she hath done what she could. 
I don't know what God would have you do, but I'm sure that he would have each of us hold the rope. I know that. And you know, together we can make a difference. We really can. Together, many souls around the world can be saved. Let's hold the rope. Let's hold the rope. Who will join me in holding the rope this year? I don't ask you to do anything I don't do myself. I give my missions. My wife and I are going to exceed and we're going to give more this year than we did last year even. Because we believe that the need is not getting less with the times in which we live. It's only getting worse. The holes only are getting deeper and darker. And God's looking for a few good men and women who will hold the rope. And I'm on it already. Who will join me? Who will hold the rope this year? And make a difference in eternity. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our lives already. We thank you for how you've met our needs. Lord, there are those that do not have the opportunities that we have had. They haven't heard the gospel as we have. They haven't been given opportunity to receive and accept Christ because, Lord, they, they have never even heard of him. But, Lord, there are missionaries willing to go around the world and take the gospel to them to show them, Father, that Jesus loved them by dying on a cross to pay for their sin. Lord, help us, Father, to do our part. If you're not going to call us to the mission field, then well, you put it on our heart to be like this Pastor Fuller to hold the rope. Oh, God, help us to hold the rope. To do our part, to do what we can as a corporate body to come together to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, even before we have the altar call, starting before the music begins to play, I wonder, do you know Christ as your Savior and Lord? Wouldn't it be a horrible thing to come to this church this morning and to hear about a Jesus who saves, but not be saved by him? He died for you on the cross to pay for your sin. He literally suffered, bled, and died. He was buried, and he rose again the third day, the Bible says. That's why Jesus, because he made such an amazing sacrifice, who was God in flesh. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and he paid the penalty of sin, which is death. And he did that for you because he loves you. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He became sin for us who knew no sin. He was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The Bible says that he left the splendor of heaven and he came to earth. He became poor so that you and I could become rich. He simply says, you have to acknowledge what I did for you on that cross. You have to admit that you can't get to heaven on your own and that sin stands between me and you. That Jesus Christ can wash your sin away. His wonderful sacrifice, the perfect precious blood can wash your sin away and you can be made whole again. You can truly be forgiven, saved, and included in the family of God if you'll just trust and receive Jesus Christ. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you been forgiven? Been saved from your sin and the penalty of it? If not, 
as soon as the music plays, won't you step out of the aisle and come see Brother Kavanaugh right at the front? He'll have a lady if you're a lady, a man if you're a man. Take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure heaven's your home. But today, maybe you need to ask the Lord, what part do you want me to play in worldwide missions this year? I want to hold the rope, Lord. I want to hold the rope. Speak to my heart. Lord, I'm just committing to hold the rope. Now you just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. Father, we ask, Lord, for your leadership now in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.